0: This week on A Lively Experiment. The first poll of this election cycle yields some interesting results, and the budget news in Rhode Island just keeps getting better. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazen White, Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS. Joining us on the panel, Sue Yankee, chairwoman of the Rhode Island Republican Party, political contributor, Scott McKay, and attorney and former Providence mayor, Angel Tavares. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's Lively Experiment. I'm Jim Hummel. With fewer than four months until primary day, WPRI Channel 12, in conjunction with Roger Williams University, released its first poll this week, looking at the Democratic candidates in the governor's race and in the CD2 district. The main takeaway: that Governor McKee and Secretary of State Nelly Gorbea are in a virtual dead heat, but with many undecided voters. And the poll was taken before Helena Bonano Folks began her advertising blitz. Uh, Scotty, let's go to you. You've seen a lot of polls over the years. <laughs> what, what do you? Uh, we're not going to get into the cross-tabs. We're not going to get that deep. No. Um, what's your takeaway from this? Well, obviously, this is good for Gorbea, uh, the Secretary of State.
1: She's a good campaigner. She's a good debater. And, um, you know, it's hard to really mess up as Secretary of State. I think she's had a pretty good record. And she's obviously gotten out there. She's moved her feet a lot. But what it really shows for an incumbent are some of the weaknesses that McKee has. And I think he's going to have to address them. Some of them are just silly campaign things, like saying I'm going to go to a debate, a candidate forum, and then saying I'm not going to do it. And then stupid things like uh, cutting off the free rip to buses and having to go reverse it. I mean, these are small things, but sometimes as what happened, as we know, in Bruce Sumlin's second term, uh, there can be death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. And I think that uh, he really needs a strong campaign manager who'll go in there and say, no, governor, do you really want to do this? Let's not do it. I mean, things are not awful in Rhode Island there's a pretty big uh you know state surplus the biggest thing I think we've had since uh governorship Mm -hmm. way back when and uh you know I think he's done the best he could uh with the virus and all this stuff and given the fact that frankly uh he was an he's an accidental governor and Gina Raimondo was really bad to him I mean she could have put him on a commission they had Absolutely no relationship uh, when he came in and Raimondo just beat feet got to Washington and uh, left him holding it Maybe you can use that phrase
0: the accidental governor.
2: <laughs> I like that. I may steal that from you Yeah, I think it, it bodes a lot of trouble for him. He should be far ahead as what we call an incumbent governor um nelly gorbea has used her office as a propelling her into a highlight most people don't even know who the secretary of state is prior to nelly gorbea so she's been out in force using that office um for some good things you know but she has gotten her name out there she is very affable and charming so he's got to watch she's clipping at his heels and i agree with scott that he has made some Minor errors, but they've been blown probably out of proportion. The bus, yes, we're not we're going to eliminate the to bus uh, two days later, we're not going to eliminate the bus. him not showing up for the debate and then showing up for the debate. those all uh, show that he's an executive that can't make up his mind. He's an executive by committee what should I do today? Oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. So he's, it's a long way off before November, but he's got a lot of things that he's got to make up for. And he should start listening. One
1: one quick thing in his favor. Yes, he should. Start listening to the right people. I think he listens to the wrong people. It's part of his problem. But 45% job approval rating, given the cynicism of politics these days, looking across the country, uh, executives, governors are getting reelected with those numbers.
0: They so, I mean, it always and what Scott said it helps to be the incumbent sometimes, maybe not, because you were always you know kind of nitpicking these things. What do you take away from this?
3: Well, I, I think that uh, I, I agree that Nellie Gorbea is in a really good position. That's not just because I support her, um, <laughs> and have, have full disclosure. That's uh, right, full disclosure, and have, have been her outside counsel for uh, uh for several years. But I will tell the governor something else. Governor uh, McKee, I can say from personal experience leading the Joe Pl- uh, Fleming first poll does not mean you're going to
0: win. So
3: I could tell you that from personal experience. But I think, uh, uh, and Sue, I think just mentioned some of the things. Uh, with respect to the Secretary of State being that close without having had one TV ad, without being out there um, on TV, and, and it's an office that's not as high profile as, as the governor, says a lot about her. Um, and I think that when people get to know her even more, Over the next several months, um, I think she's going to win the Democratic nomination, Um, and I think those numbers suggest it.
0: Uh, We should make we should make not
2: that far ahead. It's almost a dead heat, you know. We should also
0: emphasize that about right twenty (laughs) five to twenty three percent and thirty seven percent undecided, and almost
2: forty yeah, almost forty percent undecided. One thing about that
3: undecided. Um, and I think Sue mentioned it and, and um, Scott as well, the governor is probably the best known state official in the state of Rhode Island. To have that many undecided at this point uh, tells you that um, while they might be persuaded to go to the governor, they know who the governor is, they've, uh, they've seen him now for over a year on TV. He's led... Um, our state after uh, Governor Raimondo became Secretary Raimondo. And the fact that there are that many undecided actually says, I think, a lot about him.
0: And we should note, as Sue knows well, and, and people who have held your chair before, very difficult to poll the Republicans. And at this point, your candidate, Ashley Kalis, can sit out until November. But let's talk about, since we have you here, w- the last time I had you here, she was just on the verge of announcing. Right. She's been on the air a lot. I think she's gaining name recognition. So good path for her, right? Right.
2: And, and she... She needed to be on the air earlier. You know, she's an unknown um, a, a businesswoman. She's got a lot of great qualities. You know, she went to the London School of Economics. She went to Columbia. So she's a very smart, aggressive woman. Um, great uh, credentials. But she needed to get out there to get her name out there. And she did that. And now you're seeing Helena Falks, who most people don't know who she is, starting to campaign. So you're right. This was the first initial poll that was out there, um, things will change. I think things will change into our favor because people are looking for
0: a change. But as Scott will say, you can be a Rhodes Scholar, but you need to be a Rhode Island Scholar. Right. And so I think that can be a little bit of an Achilles heel for her. What's your thought about Ashley Kalis?
1: Well, we're going to have to see. Look, she's brand new. She's on the air. She's finally starting to generate some name recognition, which she really needs. I will say I'm not as impressed with her ad as I am with Helena Fox's ad. I thought the Folk's opening ad done by Ted Devine and his team was very, very good. The way that he introduced her, kept her Rhode Island roots, uh, points out her CVS executiveship. I thought it was a good ad, but again, no one really knows who uh, Helena Fox is, and she's going to need huge field uh, operation to try to come into this thing, and, and I just think The one thing that may help the Republicans this year, we know we go back a long way, Jim. You know, when the Democrats beat the stuffing out of each other in a primary in this state, that's when Republicans have their best openings to win uh, in November in the general.
0: I thought her ad was interesting. The reason maybe it it impressed you is it's a full minute. Yes. You know, Ashley kales is doing the kind of the boom boom. Now some of that's cost, but I saw it right before the NBC Nightly News the other day. So you know, all this money she's raising, she's finally spending. Helena, folks.
3: Yeah, uh, well, I think that that's right. But um, she reminds me she's and and uh, I know her and Bill, great people. Um, but she reminds me a little bit about of Michael Bloomberg, and what, what I mean by that is that Bloomberg was, in my opinion, a successful mayor of New York. Even if I don't agree with everything, I thought he was successful, successful businessman, um, and. Uh, when he ran in the presidential race, there wasn't a space for him in many ways, right? And certainly that first debate uh, made a big uh, difference as well. And I feel like you've got the McKee who's been around and has a strong base. I think Gorbea has a strong base. And I think the question is going to be how does, where does um, uh, Mrs. Folk's base come from? And uh, where, where, where is she able to get votes? And so the, the Democratic Party has certainly moved to the left. I don't think anyone would debate that. And I don't think she's running necessarily as a progressive, more as a executive who has done this before in private business and can do it for the state. And I don't know how receptive the Democratic primary uh, field or or voters will be to that. So it'll be interesting.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, interesting enough, when there was talk about Helena jumping in, people were suggesting to me, why don't you get her to jump in as an independent because she will not survive the Democratic primary. She will not. And I'm like, I'm not convincing her to run as an independent. She's a Democrat. She has strong Democratic roots. Her family is very well known in the Democratic circles. She's a Democrat. No one's going to believe she's an independent. She has to run as a Democrat. She's got trouble in the primary. Because you're right. I think the Democratic Party has moved far to the left. And you have uh, Matt Brown and Dr. Munez who are very far left who are going to take that. You know, they're going to take that. So does she fit someplace in the middle? I think Dan McKee kind of owns that, although he's moving to the left. Just too. quickly,
0: CD2, Seth Magaziner, probably not a surprise, 33%, but an awful lot of undecided, and and Alan Fung, formidable candidate. Fung's a formidable candidate. Uh, his problem
1: is going to be what Katie Nee, the campaign manager for uh, Magaziner and Magaziner himself, are doing very, very well. It goes back to what Sheldon Whitehouse did, really against Link Chafee in 2006, which has nationalized this race. Uh, Fung basically has a very good record as Mayor of Cranston. He's well-known. People think he's a good guy. But you've got to remind people, if you're a Democrat, over and over again, that his first vote when he gets to Congress is going to be for Kevin McCarthy for Speaker. And he's going to be another Republican uh, in a Republican House that... They haven't done anything for anyone. And I don't think that, given New England... And given the country right now where Biden's hurting, that the Republicans are really going to have to watch in blue districts how the national race plays out here.
2: Um, I'd have to disagree with that. Why? We know that the we anticipate. I shouldn't say we don't know anything in politics. We anticipate that this is going to be a red wave across the country. So why wouldn't you want to put somebody that is going to be in the majority party as a Republican, to represent New England. Because if you nominate and you put Seth Magaziner in, he's going to be backbench behind David Cicilline. You're not going to get anything. You want someone that's going to represent Rhode Island. And why not have that be someone in the majority party that can bring things back to, to Rhode well, Island? Well, it's what that's John,
0: John Chafee said for years. It's going to go to the Republicans, to go to the Democrats, so at least have somebody at the seat in have your Have somebody in, at in the table. Delegation. You know,
2: you don't have—you will not have anybody at the table if you nominate, uh, but that's a the Democrat. old days. John
1: Chafee could not win a Republican primary nowadays in this state.
2: Oh, I, I disagree with you. I think really, he could. I disagree with.
1: Here's you. Here's a guy who said we should ban the manufacture and sale of Saturday Night Special guns. The the two A people would kill him.
0: Yeah. As somebody who is very familiar with the congressional two district race, uh, what are your thoughts, magazine or in funk?
3: Well, I think it's going to be a very close race because I think that uh, clearly um, what we're seeing across the country, and I've seen articles about it, that any race, uh, any place that uh, President Biden won by less than seven points is kind of in play, and I believe that the congressional district uh, two is one of them. Uh, I also, Allen uh, won. And I say, Alan, he's an old friend. We went to high school together. I mean, Alan won that district in his first race for governor. Alan comes from Cranston. Um, people know him. Uh, so it's going to be, uh, I think, a uh, very competitive race. And if it's uh magazine or whoever the Democrat is, they'll have their work cut out for them uh, because I think it will be very competitive.
0: All right, folks. The uh, the budget news. It, this is pinch me. If, if it gets better and better every week, just as the stock market is plunging. We're at almost a billion dollar surplus in addition to the ARPA money. And I was thinking this week. I mean, so much money sloshing around. You ultimately know there's going to be kind of an out year problem. But right now, is it time to start revisiting things like the gas tax? Suspension.
2: Absolutely. And I think that when you look at all this money that has come in from the infrastructure dollars to the APRA money to now the tax revenues are higher than we anticipated, that we have to be very careful. We have to do budget stress tests to see what's our long-term goal, what's our short-term goal, and make sure that we're not spending that money not wisely. Certainly, we should take care of the families, You know, talk about gas tax, talk about maybe the car tax eliminated. I know Senator Ruggiero was talking about that. So let's look at taking care of the families, and then let's look at how we can utilize this money and the surplus that we have for long-term goals and not spend it on short-term fixes, which is, I think, historically what we do in this state. We're like, oh, we have a lot of money, let's spend it. And I'm sure even the ARPA funds, the $1.3 billion that they haven't divvied out yet, um, there's probably 12 million, 12 billion asks for that money already. So let's make sure that we use it and not waste it like typically we do just spend it on things that are not long-term benefits to um the state here
1: I, I think we can look to next door republican charlie baker who actually has had some pretty good mixtures of investing in things and then doing a middle class focused tax cut and something there's something for the rich in there too he's cutting the state taxes also but the rainy day fund could probably use Some money, because as we know, Jim just mentioned the stock market, uh, this isn't going to last forever. Hopefully, uh, the virus wanes and we get back to a more normal economic situation. And then, you know, there'll
0: be some money in case there's a downturn about a cut in the sales tax? Governor McKee, that kind of came out of left field at that forum.
3: Well, I just want to make something clear. I was on this show with, uh, I think it was Ken Block and Lisa Pelosi, and you asked us a question. One of the things I talked about was a sales tax. So I'm not taking, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying <laughs> You were pressing. And, 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 what do and, you mean uh, about cutting that? And Frank, in and, and, and the words of Frank, the uh, immortal Frank Costanza, he stole my move. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, but I, I do, I, I, like, I like the sales tax Cut because it uh, impacts uh, lower-income people. It's a regressive tax, so to do that, I think is a good thing, and it allows us to be a little bit more competitive with other states, and it really helps. Do you helps think
0: people. that really will spur the? Okay, can I, look, we all kind of live on the border, right? I live a mile from Massachusetts. Do you really think? people are going to say okay I'll stay in Rhode Island rather than go to Massachusetts. Oh I don't know that they
3: I I don't know well and I'm not saying about whether they will or not but I know this much it's going to mean more money in the pockets of a lot of people who have low income the other thing I'd love to see is a revisiting of the earned income tax credit um, and what can we do to maybe support that to help uh, lower income families uh, have a little bit more money in their pocket during the time where housing is so expensive, with everything is so expensive? The last thing I want to say, though, is I think, Sue, that you just endorsed Nellie Gorbea's plan to cut the uh, uh, to suspend the gas tax. So I think we've made news uh, on this show. I think that
2: was uh, <laughs> Senator Jessica De La Cruz who uh, well, has I, been I, I, think I, I, I
0: think it, I it was neck and neck. Jessica was here and Nelly was you, here. You noticed both
3: Latinas, so uh, good thing. Well, maybe right?
0: that's the comment. <laughs> uh, maybe that, anything else you'd like to see in terms of budget? Um, Scott talked about the rainy day fund. What a yeah, novel no, concept, right, putting the money away. I don't away.
2: disagree with that. I think that you have to have a rainy day fund because, as Scott has said, you know, the the economy goes up and down and up and down. And if you're not prepared for that, you're in for a whole lot of hurt. So, yes, yeah, spend it wisely. I'm a long-term planner, so I always look 10 years out. Are we investing this money 10 years out? Affordable housing is also another good way to spend that money.
0: You would never make it in the General Assembly. They, they, they look about two weeks ahead, right? They yeah, blew through and, the and tobacco money. Yeah. A 10-year plan, it's unheard of. Yeah,
2: but that's the way, you know. Well, that's because, remember,
1: Allman wanted to cut the income tax, and Tony Pires wanted to cut the car tax, and they couldn't agree, so they decided to do both, and the way they financed it was to give Wall Street the tobacco money.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There was a big hunk of money. Um, Something that we've been talking about a long time looks like it's even one step closer. It's called the Let Rhode Island uh, Vote Act. Uh, It's basically codifying um, a lot of the changes that were made, early voting, uh, suspension of signatures on mail ballots. I know you're going to have something to say about that. Let me start with you about this. It looks like it's headed to the governor's desk. Um, They've been doing mail ballot voting in other states for years, and that's all they've been doing. Any issues you see with this bill or do you think it's good for voters? No,
3: bravo, bravo, bravo. I mean, one of the things that is important, I think Representative Amari, who's running for Secretary of State, pointed this out. Um, Most states actually don't have... A signature uh, um, witness, sorry, witness and notary, yeah. and notary requirement, and I can tell you that from when we went up to the Supreme Court um, and, and arguing this case. So, um, so what we saw last time in Rhode Island is just record turnout. A lot more people voted. A lot more people used the uh, mail ballots, um, and so I think it's a very, very good thing. And the folks who are worried about fraud or anything else should look to see exactly what the former president was doing. Um, in order to try to subvert the the voters after 60 somewhat cases in court that were not successful trying to have, you know, uh, fake electors, um, selected um, uh, attorneys with uh, plans to tell the vice president. I give the vice president a lot of credit, uh, Vice President Pence, for not succumbing to that. Um, you want to talk about, uh, you know, problems in elections? Look at what's going on, what happened nationally, um, and that's something we should all be concerned about, whether we're a Democrat or Republican, because it's our country.
2: Are you worried about fraud with this? Um, I'm always worried about fraud. I, you know, we as Republicans always want to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. So I think it's it's good that we have mail
0: ballots because. There that's pe- not happening in some of the other states. I mean, we won't get into Texas yeah, I mean, and I mean, Georgia and all that. I'm going to talk about
2: what's happening here. Okay. So we're always worried about that. Um, first, we know that the voter rolls are not clean. We know that because we sent out mail ballot applications to everybody. Over 143,000 came back undeliverable. So we've got to clean those up. We've got to clean up the voter rolls first. Number two, I think that we do have voter ID here, so voter ID laws here. So now when you remove the ID off a mail ballot and we accept an X as a signature, You're not matching those signatures to anything. And it opens the door for possibilities that nefarious things can happen. We went through the data dump, and no, it's not widespread fraud here in Rhode Island, but we did notice that there were about six people that we saw that double voted. We presented them to the Board of Elections. Um, They took two of them and said yes, they did vote twice, and it, it died. There was no looking to see if anybody committed voter fraud. Absolutely none. We had three cases that other states found that they voted twice. And I think once one vote that somebody votes twice is one too many. We have to make sure that there's election integrity across the board. I worry about it. Um, You know, we're going to have eyes on the ground. That being said, we're going to do exactly what the Democrats did. We're going to ballot chase. We're going to make sure that people have that opportunity to, to, to ballot. I worry about the drop boxes. Um, making sure that they're secure, making sure that there are cameras on them so nothing funny happens. But the biggest problem for me, I think, is the ballot harvesting, allowing third party, and that—that that is both political parties, third party political operatives going there, out yeah. and scooping it because you get undue influence. We don't. We want your vote to be your vote. We want to make sure that nobody influences your ability to cast a ballot for who you want to. And that third party ballot harvesting. I'm sorry. Scotty's just
0: busting to say something over
1: there. No, I just want to bring some sobriety to this conversation. There's not really widespread fraud in Rhode Island, and I think you understand that. Now, there used to be some problems with the mail ballots. We all know the Lloyd Griffin days and Cianci era. The laws have been changed since then. Now, if you're going to be an imposter for a candidate, and I think the mayor knows this, you better love that candidate because it's now a felony to do that. And the other thing is, is it's I It's a
2: felony, but if nobody's looking for it, Scott, if nobody is actually auditing, looking for it. We're
1: auditing. We're and, auditing.
2: And you know what? And I, I, what I tell people is, if you're worried about it, get involved in the process. Sure. They did a risk audit for the presidential uh election. There were two people there at the risk audit, myself and John Marion. That's not enough. If the Board of Elections actually opens up this process, so I you know, want to tell your viewers, if you're worried about it, come join us. The Board of Elections opens up everything. Come watch the process. And I think people would feel more confident if they're there watching but it. But don't
1: worry. There are other states across the country, red states like Utah, blue states like Oregon, that do all mail ballots.
2: And they do a great job. Right. They do a great job because they really do a great job of cleaning up their voter rolls to make sure they're done. Even Florida, that had problems after the 2000 election, they have gotten very good at mail ballots. We need to get better at it. And I think removing some of those... You don't have to have the two two witnesses and notaries, but something that identifies the voter. How do you feel
0: about early voting? How
2: do I, I... I have no problem with that because people go in and they present their thing. And also, you know what I worry about having watched the process? The mail ballots, if there's a problem with your ballot, you can't trace that ballot back to somebody. The easiest way to make sure that your ballot is cast is to do it in person. Because if you put your ballot into a machine and there's an errant mark on it, you can cure that ballot right then and there. But once they remove your ballot from a mail ballot, you don't have the opportunity to cure it. And we saw ballots where, I know this will be shocking, when it says vote for one person, people overvoted. How do you determine what the intent of that voter was? You've always had that. Yeah, you've always had that. So I, I, I say to people, the easiest and the best way to do it is to vote in person, whether you do it early or you do it the day of the election.
3: I would just say that, listen, the Board of Elections has regulations on um, mail ballots. They have regulations on overvotes in mail ballots, on undervotes in mail ballots, because sometimes what you have is people will circle the name instead of filling in uh, the oval, and they have regulations and they deal with that in open, and by the way, in open session, Uh, They deal with that where anyone can go, anyone can see. When they certify mail ballots, everyone has a right to be there to see it. We know who's voting by mail. Anyone who signs with an X, you have a chance to know who they are. And if you want to follow up, you can follow up. So I appreciate the fact that Sue has actually said um, that there is not widespread fraud here, uh, because there is not. Um, The attorney general has brought two cases. Uh, I believe, has filed two cases against mm-hmm. people. Is it three now? Three. Or three cases against people, which is good. That's exactly what we should do. If anyone breaks the law, we should hold them accountable, even if they are the former president of the United States.
0: <laughs> you wanted to get that in. Uh, let's do <laughs> outrages, or kudos, and then you can, you might have to do this with Angel off camera. Uh, do you have an outrage <laughs> or a kudos?
2: Well, I actually have two outrages. One is House Bill 800. ADO- 8076 at Jackie Bazinski, who's the representative from District 17 in Cranston. She put a bill in to give bonuses, $3,000 bonuses, to private sector, one of which happens to be an ambulance company that her family owns. Mm. Um, I think it's outrageous. Mm. That was I think, coincidental. Yeah, it's quite coincidental. Yes, it out. Thank you. Um, you know, it's outrageous that a representative would put in something that is clearly <clears throat> benefiting a company that she owns. And the other thing, the other outrage I have is 55,000 overvotes for the census. That's a problem. Yeah, it was a big problem. Angel, what do you have?
3: You? <clears throat> My outrage is the fact that we had Republicans and I think there was a group of 10 Republicans in the Congress who voted against Um, allowing people on WIC, which is uh, low income people who get help for their infants, um, to be able to use that for a formula. And to me, it's just uh, outrageous that we have an issue with uh, with formula for our infants and that we would have Republicans voting against allowing our lowest income folks using WIC. Um, to be able to purchase that. Oh, Ten-second rebuttal. Wait a
2: minute! Did you see the bill? Twenty-three million out of the twenty-eight million was used for salaries. It wasn't to solve the infant formula crisis. I, I, I think that was more outrageous. All right,
1: that's going to be the, uh, the after. What, what do you have? I really think we're headed to the handmaid's tale with the way that the Republicans are dealing with abortion. There's simply no way that there's any compromise, and it's a race to the bottom. I mean, uh, yesterday, Thursday. In Oklahoma, the Republican legislature passed legislation that defines life starting at fertilization. Well, hello, if anybody knows anything about it, there's no medical test for that. State after state are criminalizing abortion, trying to throw women and doctors in jail. I mean, I don't think uh, even people, you know, Jim Langevin even now, uh, people who their whole career were anti-abortion, are just can't believe how far and extreme these laws are to women. And I think that this one might even knock out the Oklahoma one, knocks out IUDs and uh, in vitro fertilization where you create an embryo. So I think we're getting a little nutty here on getting the government Really involved
0: in uh, people's private lives and in people's bedrooms. All right, folks, uh, that is all the time we have. Uh, man, it is hard to fa- fit all in in 30 minutes, but we do appreciate your coming, Scott and Sue and Angel. Good to see you again uh, after all this time. Angel's been on the road, watching the Friars going on vacation, <laughs> but it's nice to have him here. And we're going to re-rack the tape to see whether you really did talk about the uh, about the sales tax cut. So count on Okay, folks, thank you. Uh, come back here next week. We will have everything covered over the next seven days and come back here next week as The Lively Experiment continues. Have a great week.